Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. Save them out of Egypt, out of their out of their place of bondage. And uh, God, God, God made it very clear on what He wanted, and He wanted them to worship Him and Him alone. And He wanted to be their king, and He wanted them to be His people. And the Book of Samuel, uh, Samuel was probably one of the greatest prophets, and. They go to Samuel and they say, we want a king like everybody else. And so Samuel says, okay, I'm going to do what you asked. And, and then uh, he, so he does and he, you know, we know the story, he finds Saul and this and that. Anoints Saul and says, you've chosen a king over God and God wanted to be your king, but you did this and you guys are dummies. And, and the people said this. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servant unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. He said, Yeah, you've done a lot of messed up things. You've, done, you've sinned a lot. He said, But he says, Yet, even though you did all that, he said, Turn not away. From following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn not aside. He said for then. saying, if you do. You should go after vain things. Which cannot profit nor deliver. For they are vain. And he says. For the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake. Then he says. Because it hath pleased the Lord. To make you his people. Amen. I read that a little while ago. And. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what wickedness or what sins you keep falling into or what you keep doing or what you keep following, some cycle or some habit. But don't turn away from the Lord. He won't forsake you for his great name's sake, he said. And regardless of all your faults and all your failures and all your mistakes, the Bible said it pleases God to make you his people. It pleased God to make you his people. You didn't burden him. You didn't trouble him. How many say before God like that? All, kind, all kinds of mistakes, all kinds of burdens, all kinds of problems. And the prophet says, hey, you know what? It's, it pleased God to make you, who just made a big boo-boo and picked a man over God. He said, it still pleased God. To make you his people. Amen. Clap your hands for God like that. Amen. Hallelujah. That, that might have been for somebody. Might have been for nobody. Amen. Pastor's not here like I said. I give him honor. Amen. I, I, we didn't even get into announcements. There's a bunch of stuff going on. We got Sunday service. We got Congress conference this weekend. What day? Both days? Or just Friday? Thursday, Friday? Uh, I, I don't remember the... I don't know the brother's name. Be there or be square. It's supposed to snow, possibly. I don't know, maybe. But uh, I know there's that. And then other than that, we have Tuesday night prayer. Maybe work night. I don't know. Pastor should be back. Lord willing, he'll be back this weekend. So all will be well. And we'll, we'll have the captain of the ship. All right? In the meantime, we're going rogue. Just kidding. I give honor to pastor i give honor to you all and i just love jesus amen so at this time i'm going to turn to the book of revelation you don't need to stand i'm going to read i'm going to read some scripture here amen the book of revelation amen you can be seated joe thank you so much amen the book of revelation we're going to turn to chapter 17 
17 and 18. And we'll just go with the flow. Is that okay? Yes. Amen. While you're turning there, let's go ahead and just pray. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you, most high God, for everything that you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that you would put a stirring in our hearts, Lord, that we would not be satisfied with the blessing of yesterday. That we would not be satisfied with the manna of yesterday. And rather that you would let it stink and let it rot where we cannot we cannot be satisfied. We cannot we cannot even keep it around us that we would be so hungry. For something new and something fresh and something more that we would pursue you today and the next day fresh and new. That you would do something with your word. That it would be like a hammer. That it would dash the stony hearts to pieces. That you would chisel away that stone. That we could have a heart beating for you, Jesus. That you would move and let your word be like the sword of the spirit. That it would just pierce and cut away things that don't and ought not to be in our life. And that it would go forth to those who need it like the balm of Gilead. And bring healing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says, uh, the Bible says that, that man shall not live by bread alone. But upon every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Amen. That, that this Bible that we have is a form of sustenance, not for your flesh, but for your, your spirit. Amen. And the Bible said that Jesus said that your, 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 your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Because uh, your, your flesh and your spirit at war against one against the other. And your flesh doesn't want to do the things of the spirit. Or it tries to do spiritual things carnally is what usually what religious people try to do. They try to do they try to do spiritual things, but they try to do it in the flesh. And we talk about this. We try to the Bible says that that God seeketh them that worship him in spirit and in truth. But many times we worship from our soul and we try to mix our soul and truth. But our soul is our is our carnal man. It's our soulish man, and and that's why we know God says this is the limit, or this is this is where I want you. But but we try to we try to bring it down on the soul limit. We try to make it happen. But we say, hey, I'm worshiping in truth, but it's not in the spirit. Am I making sense? You're making a frowny face. The thing is, is that we are we are spirit beings, but our soul is is who you are. It's it's. There, there's your soul's gonna perish, but there's that spirit that 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 we worship in, and it's complex, and I probably shouldn't even went there, but but it's it's that fleshly part of you, and God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth, and and the flesh. Let me get back on track. The flesh and the spirit they don't want to do the same thing, and so you have. There's the, there's the, they say it's Native American proverb, I don't know, but who, the whatever wolf you feed, that's the one who's going to win. If you feed the bad one, that's the one. And if you feed the good one, that's the one that's going to win. So if you feed your spirit, but you can't just feed your spirit fleshly things. But that's what we'll try to do. We'll try to live in the flesh, but feed our, try to, try to feed, say we're feeding our spirit, but we're just feeding our flesh. We're, fle we're feeding our ego and we're feeding our pride and we're feeding, we're feeding enviness and covetousness and, and we're feeding these fleshly desires. Right. Yeah, but you're feeding it spiritual stuff. And uh, you're going to get hurt doing that. And you're going to hurt other people doing that. And so we must let the word of God cut where it needs to cut. Dash where it needs to be dashed. Heal what needs to be healed. Amen? Amen. That's not even part of my message either. But I'm not really going to preach. I'm going to study. Is that okay? Yes. Get your pen. Get your paper. Revelation 17, 1 through 6 um, is where I'll begin. And I'll just go ahead and read and we'll go for it. All right? Is this okay? Everybody just, everybody. You got a chip on your shoulder? Toss it off. The Bible says in Revelation 17 and 1, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show you, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast. 
full of the na of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. I'm going to say that again. And upon her forehead was a name, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Here we have the book of Revelation. And I'm not going to get probably where you guys think I'm going to go. But but here's this part in the book of Revelation where John, he's he's. He's in a vision and he's seeing things that God is showing him. And here he sees the seven angels about to pour out the, the, the vials. And, and, and with what we see that this is, this is the end. The end is coming. We know that the vials, the Bible says that the seven vials are the wrath of God. And so we see that the wrath of God is about to be poured out. The wrath of God. And when the wrath of God is poured out, we know that, that, that simultaneously... That when the wrath of God is being poured out, the Bible says that Jesus, he comes in the clouds. And Zechariah says that, that there's this big war and the nations come against Israel. And, and Jesus shows up on the Mount of Olives and he, his feet literally touch the Mount of Olives. And, and, and he reaches out his hands towards the Jews and the Jews know it's the Messiah and they say, Where did you get those holes in your hands? And it even says what Jesus says. That's what's so cool. Yeah, I got new glasses. He said, I got these in the house of my friends. And it says, and they know. They look on him whom they pierced. And they know it's Jesus. They know that it's not just some Messiah. They know, oh my, this is that one. And everything clicks in their head. But before that happens, the wrath of God begins to be poured out. And this is a glimpse of what begins to happen before Jesus shows up. Is Jesus begins to pour out his wrath and these angels show John something that's about to happen. And he shows them this this lady that 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 it's not a it's not a real it's not there's not some lady that's riding a dinosaur or some lady riding a crazy octopus this this it's something spiritual and she's the great whore and she's caused the world to drink of her cup of abominations that's what the bible says i didn't make that up it said it says this the woman was arrayed in purple and in scarlet, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having the golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And it identifies who this is, mystery, comma, Babylon the Great, comma, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And so we see this shadowy figure, and then we go to verse... 15 and it said that she she was on this scarlet colored beast and it rode in the waters and we're like whoa 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 hey god bless you bro have a good day man be safe at work huh amen and and we see that this beast is is riding in those waters and it tells you what these waters are it says in verse 15 and he said unto me the waters which you saw that that where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues that this scarlet covered beast this lady she's She's basically involved with the whole world. She rides on the world. Okay. Verse 18. It says, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings 
of the earth. Amen. This continues on in verse 18. It says in verse 18, 1 through 5. These are things that haven't happened yet. But this is something that is happening now. This great whore is here now. It's not a, it's not a one lady, but it is a system. It's a type. It's a shadow. It's actually the antithesis. Because Jesus is coming for what? He's coming for a bride. And the bride, the Bible says, is without spot and without wrinkle, without blemish, blameless, washed in the blood of the Lamb. But yet there's this other thing, this other creature, this other, this other thing that's fighting. And it's, it's an antithesis. We have Christ and we have the Antichrist. We have the truth and we have a lie. We have light and we have darkness. And here we see we have the bride and we have the gray horn. And the Bible says in Revelation 18, it, I'll read, I'll read some scripture if that's okay with you. It says, and after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with the voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and is become the habitation of devils. And, hold, and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird for all nations. Everybody say all. all. It doesn't. There's not one nation. America the beautiful didn't skip by on this one. It says all nations, all nations, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, sinner. Come out of her, heathen. Come out of her, backslider. Come out of her, pagan. Come out of her. No. He said, come out of her, my people. That you be not partakers of her sins. And that you receive not her plagues. This is a warning to the people of God. That there is a system there is a, the mystery. It's a mystery, but every time the Bible talks about a mystery, it's always, they say it to reveal it to you. Paul said, I show you a mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. God. God was manifest in the flesh. I show you unto a mystery. He said, if the princes of this world knew what I'm telling you, they would not have crucified Jesus. That's a mystery. And here we see mystery. The great, the mother of harlots. She's not just a harlot, but she has babies. And she's the mother of them all. And this is a warning going out. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. This lady, this system, this, this antithesis of the bride, this, this anti-God type system, it's a false religion. It's a false Christianity. It might look on some aspects, it might look good, uh, uh, good and godly and they got the chalice and they got the robes and I'm not going to get into what specific details on who I believe it is, but we know that it doesn't matter exactly who's the head because she has little ones. And it infects the whole world. It said every nation. So it, I know it said that it's a specific city, but it's more than a city. It's something spiritual that's infected the whole world. But it doesn't just start in the book of Revelation. This has a, this has a root that's been long since the Old Testament. But before we get into that, we're living in, in this day, in this age. Where there's a war going on. A spiritual war. A spiritual warfare that's happening. A war between good and evil. Truth and a lie. A war between holy and the profane. 
And it's happening all around you. Whether you realize it or not, whether you see it or not. If you're walking in the flesh, you barely probably notice it. But if you're trying to be spiritual, you can't help but notice it. If you're trying to reach God, you can't help but feel it. If you're trying to do something for God, you can't help but feel the resistance. And the Bible says in verse 22. It says, and the voice of the harpers and the musicians and the pipers and the trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman or whatsoever craft he be shall be found in any more in thee. Talking about Babylon. He's saying all these things. We're not gonna, they're going to find people playing their little tunes anymore. And the, and the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of the candle shall no more at all, uh, shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice, now this is what's interesting. And the voice and the, of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were great men of the earth and for by thy sorceries. Were all the nations deceived? Everybody say all. all. It's not just one. It's all the nations are deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. This, this mystery Babylon is responsible for it. Everything wicked and diabolical, this is responsible for it. And we see it says, I begin to read this. We already know God says, come out of her, my people. And many times we ask this question, well, if they don't have all the truth, or we know that they're there, we know that that a lot of stuff that goes on is of the devil and that place or su such and such religion or such and such place. But he said, come out from among them, my people. And then he says right here, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. Will not be heard in thee no more. And I say this, and I say, you know, people ask me, what about what about that person in that in that denomination or this? This thing's bigger than a denomination, and the great horror isn't just one denomination. It's not just one religion. It's it's a one world religion where it's everything but the truth. Everything but the truth is part of that. And it says that that God's saying, come out of that. Come out of that, my people, and don't partake of her sins. So that means that God's people, what makes us God's people? Being born again. What makes you a people of God? I just read it to you in Samuel. He said, I said, it's pleased me to make you my people. People of his name. And that's why we must be baptized in Jesus' name. It's not a question. Because the Bible says there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. It's all in him. Jesus, he's El Jefe. He's, he's the one and only. The Bible says, he says that there's no other way to the Father but by him. And it's through faith in his name. And when you are baptized in water, the Bible says that you put on Christ. And now you have a new name. And there was a preacher, his name was Johnny James. But he said, my name's Johnny James Jesus. Because he had a new name. He took on the name of his father. And that's why we don't baptize in other names or, or we don't baptize in the name of uncle or 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 or, or burning bush or or theophany or or mighty messenger or angel of the lord we don't do none of that same reason why we don't baptize in the name of the father or the son but we do baptize in the name of the father what's the name of the father jesus, jesus. what's the name of the son jesus. what's the name of the spirit jesus. he said unless you receive the spirit of christ you're none of his and that goes into the next thing. What makes you the people of God is that you must have His spirit. spirit. It says that if His Spirit does not dwell in you, you are none of His. And so these things make you a people of God. And He's saying, come out from among her, my people. My people. Just let that sink in. You could disagree. That's fine. I got this. And I don't need it. Because it's the Word of God. Right. 
And it's not my opinion. It said, come out from under my people. And then, but what, what really got me is that it said, it's talking about this false religion. And we have some people out here, what about this person? I believe that in, in all walks of life, there's people that are trying to find God. There's people trying to find the truth. But if they don't come out from among her, they'll perish. That's what the word says. It says, come out from under my people so that you don't be found guilty. You don't, the judgment's coming upon this thing and you don't want to be a part of it. You know? And, if, and if, I don't want to be, that's the wrath of God. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the wrath of God. You guys want to be a part of that? I don't. So what are we going to do? We're going to trust and obey. Amen? Ooh, tis so sweet to trust and obey. Something, something, something like that. But it said, the voice of the bridegroom, it's not going to be reaching those people anymore. And it says, what? I'm taking this one. It says, because they receive not a love for the what? A love of spiritual things? A love of the goosebumps? A love of good music? Right. A love of being used on the platform? Right. No. It says because they don't love the truth, God will send them a strong delusion. And they will be damned. The Bible says. Not me. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Because the voice of the bridegroom has been calling them. God calls every man and everybody, and we've all felt it. We feel God calling our, pulling our heart, pulling us, pulling us. And many of us, many of us came from other religions where, where something wasn't right, something was off, something was missing. Yeah, they talked about Jesus, but there was no Jesus. Yeah, they, they said these words, but it was empty, and, 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 and they had these smiles, and they looked good, but there was something right. missing. Right. Something's missing. And he says, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, that's, a, that's well, I want to be part of the bride. I don't know about y'all. That's people like me. Like, I want to be saying, hey, I, I, I know you love Jesus, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen. Have you have you taken on his name in baptism since you believed? That's the voice of the bridegroom reaching those that are hungry in the harlot's house. But it says that there's coming a point in time where that's not going to be heard. We're still there. This hasn't happened yet. Like I said, this hasn't happened yet. This is in the future. How soon in the future? I don't know. No man knows. Raise your hand if you know. Okay. So... I wanted to get to this point. I said it a little while ago. This, this mystery Babylon has its roots in the Old Testament. It started in the book of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter, well before that. You can read Jeremiah and all that. But this, this nation called Babylon. Which actually goes before the book of Daniel. It's where Abraham is from really. The Ur of the Chaldees. Remember that? Chaldees. You ever heard of that? Where Abraham was from, that's where Babylon started. And really it goes to the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11. The first great king of the world, his name was Nimrod, Nimrod the great and mighty hunter. Which is where the doctrine, I'll just leave that alone. That's where a lot of bad doctrine comes from. It comes from him. He says that he was the son that was born. And that his mother was the virgin birth. And, but she was a harlot. And that's where Babylon started. She lied. See, Mary was telling the truth. Nimrod's mom wasn't. But this, this nation of Babylon rises. And I'm going to hurry. This nation of Babylon rises. And it doesn't disappear. It's still here today. In the spirit. No, there isn't a there isn't a tower of Babel today that they're building. No, there's not there's not uh, the big moats and the big king castles and there's not there's not all these types of deals. No, 
But in the spirit, there's strongholds built. There's strongholds built by Babylon. And in Daniel chapter 2, he says the first king that, or this king that, that basically is like a revived Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, he brings it and he has a dream in Daniel chapter 2. And he can't remember the dream. I don't want to get into it all. But he has a dream and Daniel interprets his dream and he sees this statue. And the statue had a head of gold, breasts of silver, but belly and thighs of brass, legs, uh, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And he said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. And your kingdom is, is the best kingdom. It's the most powerful, most pure. You're the best king. And then as it goes down to the dude. But it's all this statue and it, and it declares all the whole time. The gold, Nebuchadnezzar, Medes, the, the, the Medes and the Persians. When Greece came, when Rome came, and the feet of the iron clay where we're at now. That statue. We're at, the, we're at the last step of that prophecy. The feet. You don't, we're not going to go any lower. Because the Bible says that a stone. Hits the, hits the feet. And it breaks it. And it says that stone then begins to grow into a mountain. Until it takes over the whole world. That stone was Jesus Christ. And that stone has already been thrown and it's growing. So when you think that you have lots of time. Think about that. The bottom of that statue has already been. It's already. It's like when you when you break a glass and it hasn't completely fallen apart yet. Anybody ever like broke a windshield and it's like. And you're just like, dude, don't sneeze, don't breathe on it because it's about to fall apart. And once it starts falling apart, that's it. So we're living in this end time kingdom, this mystery Babylon, this great whore that defiles and causes abominations and deceives the whole world. Amen. And this is why God will send preachers to preach to you. To warn you, to wake you up, say, hey, it's not all lollipops, and that there is an enemy, an adversary, the devil. There is a, a, a there is a, a, a church of lies and a church of truth. And I don't think that we're the only ones that got truth right here. I don't believe that. I believe that there's going to be other people in heaven. But I believe that if you don't obey the word of God, you're not going to heaven. That if you add to or take away from this word, you're not going to make it. And so we see that. That there's a false, a fake, a foul, and a foolish antithesis. And this is what I'm talking about today is that this system's happening right now in the, very, in, the very, in the very base of us. And if you cannot see it, you need to pray. And you need to ask God to show you. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you, you need to understand what I'm saying. This is, this is, this is, this is. This is a, a really a, a fundamental fundamental type thing right here that I'm reading. You need to read the book of Daniel. You need to read it. It's only 12 chapters. I just read it in like a day and a half. I just read it. I just finished it earlier. It's not hard. It's not like Ezekiel or that was kind of, if you want to think, no, I'm not going to say that. He said, come out from among her, my people. This Babylonian system is... Its whole point is to take over the whole world. Just like that rock's trying to take over the whole world. They're fighting. They're warring against one another. The Bible says that the devil knows, but he has a, he has a short time. And so if we think that the devil's getting weaker or the devil's trying less hard to steal your soul, you're fool. If you think that the devil's taking a vacation, getting his toenails done, waiting for Jesus to show up while you be carnal and I be carnal, you're wrong. Right. And so I begin to think, if this is what's happening, then we need an example on how to live in the time of Babylon. You need an example of how to live 
in the time of Babylon. And that's, that's Daniel. But I'm going to turn to John chapter 17 real quick. Or you know what? I'm going to read uh, first, first Corinthians. It's barely been 30 minutes. You guys okay? Yes. I'm going to read uh, second Corinthians chapter six. I'm going to read that for a little bit here. If we're living in the time of mystery Babylon, then what are we supposed to do? Well, number one, you need to read your Bible so you can understand what is going on. You need to read your Bible. If you don't read with understanding, the Bible says get somebody that knows what they're talking about, which is why you need to come to church. Amen. Why you need to go to Bible study, why you need to get together, young people, and not play tic-tac-toe, but get together and read the Bible. Yes. Amen. Get together and pray. If you ever needed to pray, you need to pray now. You're not going to get to pray at the judgment seat when Jesus is standing there. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to pray real quick. No. All your prayer time is over. <laughs> you don't get to repent at the feet of Jesus at the judgment seat. Repentance is over. Amen. That's it. Time's up. If you're going to do anything for God, it needs to be right now. Amen. If you don't get moving, it's like a train. The train don't just turn on and go. It ain't no Tesla. Even the Tesla, you gotta push some buttons or something. Probably not in there drilling. But a train, you gotta get that thing moving. You know what I'm saying? You gotta throw some coals in there, get that thing. But we live in a we live we live so far from reality that you think that you're just gonna happy meal pull up through the drive thru at McDonald's on by to Jesus. You are wrong. We are we are fooled if you think that you're just gonna tiptoe and shake Jesus' hand and high five Jesus. Hey, what's up, friend? Thanks for dying for me, bro. If you, I'm, just, I'm just saying. <clears throat> we really need to pray. I need to pray more. We need to pray more. I'll just leave that there. So, first Corinthians, second, second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Oh, ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Ye are not strained in us, but you are strained in your own bowels. Now, for recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. What does he say? I'll just pause real quick. I'm going to talk about that. Paul's saying, I am trying to help you, but you aren't letting me help you. He said, I'm pouring out, but you are only enlarging your own bowels. You're only caring about what you want to care about. Your own carnality, your own, what's the word I'm thinking of? Your own, your own desire. You're only caring about what's in it for you. Right. But I'm trying to help you, Corinthians, like as if I'm trying to help my own child. You know, you know how it is. You're like, hey, kid, I'm trying to help you. Listen to me. I'm trying to tell you something that's going to happen. And I'm like, I know you guys never do that, but I'm telling you. <laughs> That, that's what Paul's trying to say. He's like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. He said, this is what he says to help them. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's all right to laugh. Joe does it too. Listen, hey, you know what? I thought about this earlier. You know what? I thought about this earlier. When you turn 18, you're going to get a choice. Is this just your mommy and daddy's thing, or is this your thing? Joe, you too. You're going to get a choice one day. When you're big and bad and you bench press 225, that's probably not even that much. I don't know. I don't know. I, I probably can do it. I'll blow my back out. I got preacher arms. You're going to have to choose one day. You know, we like to, we, we, we like to think about people that made mistakes. But if you made a mistake and you're here today, hey amen, just get your hand and pat yourself on the back. Because guess what? It takes a lot of guts to come back to the house of God. And it's going to take a lot of guts to make a decision in these last hours. Amen. So 
That was random. But it said, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord does Christ have with Belial? Or what part does, does he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's powerful right there. He didn't just want to just be. He didn't want to just like be like a little bird in a cage. He wants to walk in your spirit. He wants to walk from your, from, from, from your head to your toe. He wants to see what's in here, what's in here, what, what's in the pantry. Whoa, I turned that light on. What's that? Hello, that's pride and ego. And that's a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy, and a little bit of hatred. A little dissimulation in there. What's up with that? He wants to walk. He wants to. I can't moonwalk, but that's what he wants to do. He wants to know you. When you go to buy a house, do you just walk up in there and you walk in the front door? Yeah, dude, I'll buy it. No. You're like, what kind of closet does it have? What kind of toilet? Do I got to do, do a lot of repairs? Right. You don't just walk in and look outside. Yeah, it looks great. No, ain't nobody do that. Unless you're like, you got a lot of money. Unless you're going to tear it down. Yeah, I'll buy it. Like, like 300 bucks. I'll buy it. Whatever. I don't care. Don't have an engine. I don't care. And how many thankful that God bought me with all the broke busted is because it all broke down. Amen. He'll buy you. Amen. But he wants to walk around. He wants to see what he needs to fix up in there. Amen. Don't when God tries to convict you, don't hide. When God tries to pull that out and you can't get over that sin that you might have done. Ooh. There's a thing that they used to do. It's called restitution. That if you Yeah, you know, not that kind of restitution. But if you, if you sold something and God convicts you about it, you go and tell that person. You, you did something. You did something. I've had to go. I've had to talk to my, I've had to talk to my wife about it's just Sometimes it's the devil bringing things up. He's accusing the brethren. Sometimes I'll go to my wife and say, hey, you know, I don't know. Like, I already, you already know this. I already told you about it, you know, but I just... And she's like, my wife, she's like, I don't care. I forgave you. I don't want to hear it. You know? But if you feel like that about something else, that's the will of God that you get that. You can handle that. He's trying to do it with you. Yes, maybe he wants you to wash your mama's feet. Hey. Maybe, maybe. That's a, that's a thing. It's not just like weird. It's a real thing. Washing people's feet. It's beautiful. The feet are beautiful. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, guys. It's Wednesday night. It's all right. Hey, it's all right. We're talking about we're talking about real things here. You don't think Paul? You don't think people laugh at Paul sometimes? Probably not. But he said, "God wants to walk in you." He said, "I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Verse seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith Paul. Saith. The random guy down the street saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. If you feel like maybe there's something blocking you and God, you're like, God, well, I'm trying. Have you separated yourself? Have you stopped touching the unclean thing? He said that if you separate, he said, come out from among them. He's literally saying the same thing that he says. He says, don't have any part with those unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. If they don't believe what you believe, and they were there to pull you away from the truth, say, see you later. Yes. Yes. See you later. My soul is worth, worth more than your feelings. Amen. My soul is worth more than you, than your money. My soul is worth more than my family even. Hello? My soul is worth more than my reputation. Your soul's worth more than everything that you can ever have. And if you don't save your soul, you ain't going to save your family. Especially you, man. You can't live for God. You think your little son, your little girl's going to not, do you think they're going to live for God? Maybe. Your soul. He said, separate yourselves. 
Come out from among them, saith the Lord. Not to be better than anybody. Not to be like, oh, I'm separate. No. So that you could be received by God. So you could be a light in the darkness so that other people say, you know what? I, 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 that guy looks like he's received by God or something. He looks like, he looks like verse 18 was fulfilled in his life. That, that God's his father now. And he looks like a son of God. I, I want to be like that. You ain't going to win nobody. You ain't going to win nobody when you're, when you're sinning with them. Hold on. He said, be separate. Touch not. Receivableness. I think I made that up. I don't know. It depends on these things. Amen. Amen. Read verse 7, chapter 7 and 1. It says, having therefore these promises. But the promises that he'll receive us. It says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, oh, I just do what I do because that guy said, well, then you're not living holy. You're just a whitewashed tomb, Jesus would call you. He said, cleanse yourself. This is where it comes on your responsibility to live for God and your responsibility to live for God. Where you cleanse yourself of all the filthiness of the flesh and you say, God, you did your part on Calvary. You did your part. You, he continues to do his part. He continues to be there to forgive me of every, every time I make a mistake. He does his part. He's faithful. But Paul said, do not, do not, do not sin. So that grace can abound, God forbid. The grace picks us up so that we can say, you know what, I'm going to do a little bit better this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cleanse myself of the filthiness of the flesh. That's what the Bible said. He said, from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. God cares about your insides too. Not just the outside. Cares about your insides. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we're living in a day and age. And I'm going to just. I'm, I'm not going to get on all Daniel school stuff. But we're living in the time of Babylon. In the spirit world. And Babylon was. They, they did evil wicked things. They had the magicians and the astrologers. And the, the Chaldeans. They were wise men. And they would do enchantments and magic. And they would do these types of things. And they would do things. A lot of places where Santeria and these types of things come from. They come from Babylon. When they would cut open an animal and they look at their guts, that's in the Bible. Did you know that? They would do that. They would look in. They would they would cut up an animal and they look and see what 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 the gods were saying. That comes from Babylon. Did you know people do that today? You know that people do that today. That, that, that's not something new. And you know that that witches and warlocks and witchcraft is growing. The supernatural, these people, we think, you think that people are going to think you're crazy because you talk in tongues? Witches talk in tongues. Do you think you're going to, you think that people are going to think you're crazy because you don't cut your hair? Witches don't cut their hair. A real one. Not these fake ones with the blue hair. But a real one. A real one won't cut her hair. Because there's power. The Native Americans don't cut their hair either. There's power. It's power. It's power. And I know that's uncomfortable. Hey, whatever. But Babylon, it's all around you. And you'll see it. You'll see it. You, you, for those who are just coming fresh out the world, you watch the Super Bowl or you watch something, they got the pyramid and they got, they got the eye and they got these different things and the Sphinx and, and all these different types of things. It's Babylon. Right in front of your face. And it does, you know why it does? It does it. And it desensitizes you. You watch it and you don't even know what you're watching. I love that song. That's a great song. <laughs> and then your little, your little daughter sings it. And she's praising Babylon. So, so we have people. We have Jesus. He says this. Jesus, John chapter 17. And I'm going to hurry. I'm hurrying. 
Jesus says this in John 17, when he begins, before he leaves, he begins to pray for his people. He begins to pray for his disciples because he knows he's about to leave. He knows you're about to be crucified. And so he begins to pray. He says, he says, uh, he says in verse 14, I have given them thy word and the, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. But that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You say, how am I supposed to come out from among her if she deceives the whole nation? The Bible says, who shall ascend up unto the hill? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. It's possible. Jesus said, don't take them out of the world. Leave them. But keep them from evil. Our job here on this earth is to be the voice. Revelation 21 says, the voice of the bridegroom says, come, come, come. That's our job here. Our job is to weep and travail for the lost. Our job is to be the salt and the light of the world. Our job is to reach the unreachable, to do what the world doesn't want us to. He said, don't take them out of the world. Leave them here. I'm sending them out there. And he said, I'll send you out like sheep amongst wolves, he said. The book of Daniel, I'm just going to hit some highlights. The book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. The very first chapter, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. The king, they, 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 they bring these kids. And Daniel was blessed. He was smart. This, the, him and some other guys and cool dudes. And, and they were there. And, and they tried to feed them. And, and immediately... Immediately, immediately, immediately. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1.8, even though Daniel lived where the spirit of Babylon, literally Babylon, he's in Babylon. He's there, like you there. He said, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It's up to you. It's your choice. Daniel could have just caved. Daniel wasn't the only Jew there. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with wine that he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the unit that he might not, that he might not defile himself. Right off the get-go, he said, you know what? This world's not my home. I'm from Israel. I'm an Israelite. What are you? Are you a Babylonian? Are you part? Are you one? Are, are, are you so enveloped? And I'm not saying anybody. I'm just saying I'm talking in generalities here. Are we so enveloped in the great whore and the, and the daughter of the harlots? Do, do we forget who we are? Are we citizens of another world? Or are we Babylonian? You need to think about that. Ask yourself. If the voice of the bridegroom and the bride is in the great whore speaking, calling people out. You need to ask yourself, is the lifestyle that you're living, does it look like the lifestyle that you're going to live up there? Or does it look like Babylon? Does it look like the lifestyle of holiness and, and real praise and worship? Or is it just soulish? Babylon. And Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. Mm -mm. No way. You had other guys. They build a statue. They say, hey, we're going to praise the statue. We're going to play the music. You're going to fall down. And, and it's going to be a great time. And I want you to notice something. It says in Daniel chapter 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm in verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof was six cubits. Uh, who cares how big it is? It was a big statue. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent together to gather together the princes. Everybody say princes. The governors. Captains. Judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. It says, then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of all the provinces were gathered together. The thing is, is the leadership of all the kingdom. The known kingdom, the world. Just like I said, Mystery Babylon deceived the whole world. Here you have the king, 
as all the leaders. And he's saying, when the music goes, you will bow. But, and he said this, he said, when you hear the music, when you hear all this cool stuff, you got to be careful. I'll just leave that alone. It says, and whoso, verse 6, and whoso falleth not down and worship, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Just like the gray horses, the blood of the prophets and of the saints, it's all on Babylon's hands. And we see, we see some boys. And I'll read it really fast. We see some boys. Some people went to Tattletale and said, hey, those guys, they're not doing what you said. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not having premarital relationships and they're not doing drugs and they're weird. They, they pray and they, they want to do stuff like that. And they come, Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible said the fury went up in his face. He was mad. And they said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. I can care less if I offend the Queen of England. If you really are scared of God, you don't care what your principle says. If you're really scared of God, you don't care what your backslidden mama says. If you're really scared of God, you don't care. I don't care about what my sister-in-law says. Either one of you. I don't care what you say. If it goes against what the Spirit of God is saying. I don't care what the world says. If it goes against what God says. I don't care. And I'm not going to be careful to answer you. That no, I will not bow. I will not do what what you're telling me to do. And though he says, you know what? Though God saved me. You know what the Bible says? It says, they that endure to the end shall be saved. It says that those that overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. It says, they love not their lives unto death. It's a soulish thing to try to have a self-preservation. And I don't mean we're like just jump out there and try to get our heads cut off. But if it's all about you, it's not about him. It said they love not their life unto death. Their life didn't mean anything. And this is an example in Babylon. I don't care what you're telling me to do. I don't care what you're telling me to do. If it goes against what God says. I will not bow. And it didn't go like way good. It could could have not been good. He's like heated up seven times harder. Threw him in. They didn't die. Praise God. You're never going to know. The thing is, is if we don't stand up against that and come out from among her and quit quit participating in the lies, the abominations, the filthiness of the flesh, the carnality, the false spirituality, where you think you're, where we think we're so spiritual, but we're, we're dead. If we, if you don't pray, you're not alive. Because the Bible says that water is supposed to flow. And if the water doesn't flow, it gets stagnant. Nothing can live in stagnant water. You know, like that nasty ponds over there. Nothing lives in there, huh? I don't even want to go there. Nothing lives there. Amen. We say a song like this. I know it's like, it's like this. It's getting tight like that. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't, like, you know, if you guys don't like it, that's, it doesn't bother me anymore. Really. I don't like myself. I don't like that I feel like I'm not up to par. Amen. I don't like feeling that I'm doing God a disservice. Right. If I'm a masterpiece of God and, and, and I'm a work of art from God. And if ask yourself this question. I heard, I heard a preacher say this. He, he drew a doodle one time. He drew a doodle one time of an eagle. And this man was just like, he, he said, hey, can I have that doodle? Because the preacher was kind of famous. And he's like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. It was ugly. He did it like this real quick. It was a big eagle. And at the end of the conversation, the man said, hey, can I ask you one more thing? He said, no. He said, why? He said, because you're going to ask me to sign that. You're going to ask me to put my autograph on a piece of paper. 
He said, I don't want to put my name on that piece of paper. He said, I didn't even try. I just slapped that together. And then he said, and then the, the guy closed the door. He slammed the door. He's mad. He said, and then when the door closed, God spoke to me. He said, is your life, have you allowed me to work in your life so well that I would sign my name on it? Have we yielded ourselves to God and allowed God to work on us so much that God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or have we kept our lives for ourselves? There was a bunch of people that day that bowed to that statue. Only three said no. These are questions that we must ask ourselves in this time, right now. 